0: Hey folks, welcome to MLR Kickoff. Dan Powell with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. Big show, huge show coming up. We will review New England-Austin. It was the top of the West versus top of the East going on on a Saturday night at Bold Stadium. We'll bring in Tefete Lapita. Let's try that one again, Tifete Lapetti. There you go. I got it eventually. Lucky I'm not calling games anymore, Pete. I would have mumbled that one a few times. Uh, the Seattle Seawolves and USA Rugby star will join us. We'll have him in, in the show here in just a second. The Professor's Breakdown is back and live this time. No more pre-recorded Pete Steinberg, which is good. And then we'll jump into all the games coming up this weekend. The First, Pete, both of us on the road. A bit of a rarity. Usually one's at home, but uh, I'm down in Texas. You're in Florida. I'm actually going to cross you in the air in a couple of days as I head to Florida, so I'll wave as I go past But how are uh, how you doing? I missed you last week. Aaron didn't. He was so happy you weren't here. He was saying horrible things, but I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I, I missed you, you too. Yes. Did, did, yeah, you, is, did hey. you watch the show?
1: Did I have not look, watched the show did yet. Did you
0: listen to the show?
1: I have not listened to the show yet. Just trust is me, it Aaron something is not nice. Sh- should I do or should I not do it, Aaron? Should I listen to the show or should I not listen? I to you should. You should. You should listen to it. Uh, you know, I will. I will listen to the show. So I've. It's just been crazy. We were in Vail skiing for the um, uh, for the weekend, right? Caught a few of the games in secret um, at, at, at night, and then uh, got up at six a.m on Monday morning to drive the family back. So kids dropped off at daycare. Yvonne dropped off at work and then jumped on a plane and flew out to Orlando, which is why I look like this.
0: Yeah. Well, I felt like, so, like I kind of embraced the March Madness because they put every game on at the same bloody oh time. God,
1: every game like, was on at the same I don't
0: play. know which one to watch. I don't know which one to watch, but I did watch yeah. enough of this one to let you speak intelligently about it. New England. Okay. At Austin. Now, this, this hyped-up matchup, Pete, coming into this one. New England strategically put Bodine Walker onto the bench, maybe looking towards this week And rugby ATL. It doesn't seem to affect their performance. Harrison Boyle steps in at 10, has a pretty solid game in that position, but a few other players, Doug Fife in particular, uh, really had a great game there, and they come away with a, a road win over Austin at Bold Stadium. Dig into it for us
1: yeah I mean, I think this is it's 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 interesting, right? because um um Harrison Boyle was their starting fly half last year um, before um, Bone and Whacker took over. So this isn't like uh, necessarily what what you would see as a normal backup. Um, but you know, I think what's what's interesting for me about this game and is uh Austin's challenge to score. Right. And, and, you know, they took, they took a couple of penalties instead of going for the line. They, they play a, uh, a pretty direct game. Um, so if you have a look, um, you know, they had no line breaks. So the uh, free Jacks defense was, was very good. They had seven offloads. The free Jacks had 14. And I think that they made some just really, really interesting choices and really struggled to hold onto the ball. Right. And so I think, you know, if we remember, like maybe there are these like girl teams. Right. So if you remember last year, LA started really hot, scored lots of points and people caught up with them. It feels like Austin did the same thing, came out of the out of the gate, scored lots of points. But people are really beginning to like pick up on that. So I thought I thought that that was interesting and, you know, some choices that they made. They struggled a little bit with the uh, um, with the referee, and I thought the Free Jacks were really, really tight. Only six penalties against the Free Jacks, and that allowed them, I think, to sort of really manage the game really effectively.
0: Yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of uh, controversy around some of the refereeing in that game, but yeah, I
1: don't think but I
0: don't coaches and players, yeah, that. 80 minutes is a long time. And uh, for me, I see the value of uh, Julian Dominguez so, and the influence he's had on Austin. Um, you know, Marco Keith had another really good game, went off rather early actually. So I'm not sure if he picked up an injury or not, but that uh, the Dominguez factor, if you talked about no line breaks. Well, he makes his own line breaks. He gets a good go-forward ball. He always seems to bump off a tackle or two just causes a disjointed uh, defensive line that then they can – Mac Mason can attack on a little bit more fluently. Um, I think you're just seeing like similar to last year. They just didn't have that circuit breaker style player in their back line last year. Dominguez gets brought into that role. He's out and they kind of regress back yeah. into the 2021 Austin attack. Um, just goes to show the value of, of a guy like Dominguez in Major League Rugby. So hopefully he's back yeah, and helping.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that the Free Jacks actually do have a lot, a number of those players. Just like you said, Bodenwacker was on the bench and he's one of those players and they can afford to put him on the bench because they've got people like five. So I think there's like, I think that the Free Jacks have more game breakers and that's what gives them a little bit more flexibility. And I think you're right about us. They certainly had to work very, very hard to score in this game. And it's going to be interesting to see what they can do to be able to like, get a little bit more open in terms of their scoring as they go through the season.
0: Yeah. And it'd be remiss of me to not mention New England played really well. Like they are by far the most improved team from last year to this year. And they were a good team last year. They weren't, they weren't scrubs by any stretch, but defensively their structure and the way they're playing together just looks like a phenomenal culture up there in New England. So um this we'll, we'll we'll talk this week a little later. Yeah, but yeah, what yeah this week sets up now is like this taste like this could dictate what happens on the east for the rest of the year. So exciting stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this upcoming
1: game that we'll we'll keep talking about but not talking about is uh, yeah. definitely one that's interesting for <laughs> uh
0: well let's let's not waste any time we have an amazing guest coming up uh Tavide Lapetti out of Seattle obviously went to St. Mary's big uh are you as as well as he's done i just don't remember hearing his name a lot coming out of college he sort of exploded onto the scene uh at the rugby town sevens and then with usa rugby and now with seattle so uh strap yourself in because this was probably one of the most uh humble and 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 open interviews i think we've had on mlr kickoff so an absolute pleasure to have this young superstar on the show so let's Bring him in now, Tevita Lepetti. All right, joining us now is Seattle Seawolves and USA Center, Tevita Lepetti. Hey, big fella. How you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Third overall draft pick. What an honor. And now for you, what an honor to be in the presence of not only the professor, but the Panther on MLR kickoff. How you feeling? (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling good, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, mate, first first season of professional rugby, you come out of the St. Mary's program, which is run extremely well in the collegiate scene. But first year of professional rugby, how have you adjusted to life in Seattle and, and your Seawolves teammates?
2: Um, it's actually pretty easy. Um, I got a bunch of good teammates, uh, especially veterans that have played all throughout the country, some in Super Rugby, uh, some in Prem. And it's, you know, I came in with a mindset of just trying to learn from everybody as a year one. Um, mindset, so I'm just taking that in every day and uh, trying to enjoy
0: it while I can. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about you, your first year. We're looking at some of the footage there. Big, uh, big Ross Neal. I've never seen a man run that fast because he doesn't want to get tackled on the turf, but <laughs> who, who have you kind of gravitated towards inside the, the Seawalls? Who's kind of been your mentor, taking you under your wing for your first year?
2: That's kind of hard. I mean, i a lot of the guys, like we came in and we meshed in pretty well. I've known AJ probably longer, so I'm got, I'm a little bit closer to him. But uh, probably some of the dudes that I've been picking a lot at is uh, Dan Creel and uh, Ross, Ross. Big Ross well. Neal.
0: There you go.
2: Big Ross Neal. So you know, I just that was my main goal was just ask as many questions as I can and uh,
1: just soak it all in. You know, you've had a, a, an amazing uh, couple of years in rugby. You um, got to play against the All Blacks, um, obviously played for the U.S., now a professional rugby player. Talk about when you first knew that you were gonna be good at rugby. When did that kind of happen? Um, how, how did you pick up the sport and when did you know that you were gonna be good?
2: To me answer your question, pretty honestly, I like I, I. don't even look at it like that. I mean, I got introduced to the sport by my dad in 2012, my freshman year of high school. Um, I was a basketball and football player And then, um, you know, I needed something to do over the spring for my offseason to get ready for football. Uh, So my dad had a friend who coached in the Peninsula area, which was pretty close to me. And, uh, you know, since then, I just fell in love with the sport. So I think probably like 2016 areas where I wanted to start focusing on rugby and just dropped everything else, football and basketball. And, um, yeah, I want to say 2016 is where I wanted to take things and see how far I can go with it.
1: And tell us a little bit about your first time you were called up for the US. How did you find out and uh, how did you react?
2: That was actually a pretty good surprise. Um, I was like in the middle of uh, Rugby Town. Um, We just finished the Rugby Town tournament and that was my first time going in there and in uh, Glendale, Colorado and uh, I mean the week prior I was in National Sevens, Club Sevens in Seattle. So I did that, and I did, and then st- went straight over to Colorado. And I was kind of burnt out um, towards the end of the tournament because Rugby Town was actually pretty good. Um, but I got the call, phone call from, uh, from, the, from, the, from Gary Gold and asking me you know, get invited to camp. And uh, I, had, I had to let him know. You know I got to talk to my dad real quick, because I haven't been home in like two to three weeks.
1: Oh, oh, come on. What did your dad say? You called him up and you're like, Dad, is it okay if I go? Yeah.
2: So I was like, I called him first dude. I called and I asked him, I was like, yo, I just got calls from the head coach of the Eagles. Um, and they, they invited me to camp. Is it cool if I stay over here for another week? And he kind of just looked I mean, it was Facetime, So he kind of looked at me and he was just amazed. He was all like, that's probably like not the smartest question you've ever asked me, but uh, <laughs> go ahead and stay at you. You stay in Glendale for as long as you can and come back home when you, you, know, you take care of your business.
0: He's like, no, nah, nah, son, you got chores to do. Get home. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. never heard of him.
2: It's, yeah, he kind of just woke me up. I was kind of telling him, like, yo, I'm homesick. I haven't been home. But he was just like, no, nah, you got to take care of business. So that was that. So as soon as he said he gave me the green light, I, and I got back to Gary Gold and I told him, you know, thank you for having me on board. And I was just ready to get it going from there. I, I,
1: I have to, like, like, next time we talk to Gary, Dan, we should ask him how many players when he said, Hey, you're coming to the Eagle Camp. How many players have said I've got to check with my dad? Check my parents. Not, not that many players. Like, Let me just check with my parents to see if it's okay. But
2: yeah, that's a man. great story. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty crazy. I had to check in with my dad first before I gave him like a solid answer. So that was that was pretty funny.
0: Well, uh, honestly, it says it's a character question too. It says a lot about you and your relationship with your dad. So I take the positives away from that. But let's let's talk about that experience, the All Blacks experience. Uh, when you talk about like a test debut talk about the the deepest and it's not even the deep end of the pool like they took you to the mariana trench and threw you in there but you you excelled i, I was talking to people during the game and going but like, he he's not only the best player for the usa by far he's one of the best players on the field in this game like where did this kid come from how how is your mindset going into that game because to me it seemed like you didn't care who they were you just played your game and went out there and dominated was was Surely there was some nerves, to VA. Like, give me something here.
2: To be honest, I wasn't even nervous. Like, I, oh. no, like, like genuine. I, I think that's just something that I've I've grown and, you know, developed from being at St. Mary's. Um, you know, we pride ourselves in just being able to go into a game every weekend and, you know, being as calm and collective as possible. So, you know, going into that game, I was pretty relaxed. You know, I felt pretty normal. I had some phone calls with some of my buddies from St. Mary's. You know, they're like, you're going up against the All Blacks tomorrow. How are you feeling? You must be nervous. And I was like, nah, actually, I mean, I just finished going over my rules. I'm waiting for dinner to, you know, be ready. You know, I'm, I'm just chilling. Um, but it didn't really hit me until, like, the morning of, you know, when we started doing our last-minute preps and our coaches is telling us, like, we're about to perform in front of, like, a huge – or they asked us, it was like, have you ever played against 5,000 people? And I was like, no, not really. Um, and uh, yeah, it kind of just kicked in from there. So, you know, the blood started flowing, but I had some music in, you know, just relaxed through my, my pregame routine and, you know, went in there trying to with my best intentions. And, you know, the scoreboard wasn't too fun to be a part of, but, you know, it was an experience of a lifetime, though, for sure. Like, I enjoyed every
0: visit. I'm going to say, were you more nervous to call your dad after the game when he saw the score? He's like, you went away from home for four weeks for that? You're grounded. <laughs> Nah, he was the first dude I went to after the All Blacks game. Um,
2: You know, he's a huge supporter of mine. You know, since I got into the game, he's the one that introduced me into it. Um, Yeah, man, so as soon as the game was over, I went to the sidelines trying to find my dad in, you know, FedEx Field, you know, through some traffic. I finally found him, and, you know, it was was a good moment, though. You know, he was proud of me, and, you know, that's something I always look forward to do, you know, just making my parents smile.
0: That's awesome, mate. And, and did you get a chance to chat with any of the AB players afterwards? Any words of encouragement? Did any of them find you out and chat to you after the game?
2: I was trying hard not to be a fanboy, but you know, I was trying to be as professional as possible. But I did chop it up with um, Anton Linda Brown, who has a yeah. uh, huge influence on my game, especially. Uh, so I got to chop it up with him and a lot of the other players. But you know, they, they, didn't, they were just some normal guys. They didn't think too highly of themselves, which was really cool. Um, it kind of hurt to my ego, though. You know, after they gave us a whooping like that, but they were really chill after in the shed. So, you know, there are some good dudes.
1: You know, you've you, you went from the All Blacks into the MLR season. Um, obviously, started strong, Seattle. You know, much better season than last year. Talk a little bit about what's been um, challenging for you in the transition into becoming a professional rugby player.
2: Um. I'd say my biggest challenge right now is just trying to find a balance off the field, um, you know, because I'm still trying to learn this from my first year in the league, trying to figure out, you know, how to be this professional athlete and, you know, be the best version of myself. Um, but I've also had some good mentors, you know, who told me, you know, you, know, you got to take care of yourself outside of the field. You know, if you're not doing right at home, you, you know, how do they expect us to be coming onto the field and being 100% on there? So I think a big focus for me and work on is just trying to stay as balanced as
1: I can off the field and on the field. Um now is that like when you say off the field, is that, you know, eating? Is it nutrition? Is it time <laughs> management? Like what's the challenge for you?
2: I think um nah just trying to stay like so I'm pretty focused on rugby. I try to stay dedicated as much as I can, you know, watch film, you know, the nutrition is really big. Um, but just being able to just have some downtime, you know, do things that are you know, of oh, my interest. Balance. balance. Yeah. yeah, me, so i um, trying to get into graphic designing, you know, I like, you know, I'm pretty creative on that end. I got a buddy who's, who lives down the street from me, so he's pretty heavy into that. So I meet up with him a couple of times, with, you know, meet up with some coffee and, uh, you know, just learning a few things like that. But just little things like that off the field, you know, help me, you know, stay balanced, you know, be, be prepared when I get onto the field.
0: Is that the best gritty in MLR? What do you reckon? <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't know, man. I, after that, though, it hasn't I kind of had to humble myself real quick? So, but you know, that was just me having fun. I seen all the boys <laughs> running over towards me, and it just something came over me. You know, all the boys were there celebrating. So, yeah.
0: Who hits it better, you or Justin Jefferson? Come on, be honest. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give that one to Jeff, Justin Jefferson. Man. <laughs> Look at Pete. Pete's <laughs> like, I have no clue what you guys are talking about. Who are you talking about? Hit the gritty for us, Pete. Let's see it. <laughs> He'll do the Charleston before he does the gritty. It's all right. Hey, let's, let's, let's talk about your experience in the draft. Um, you, you were in Rugby Town uh, during the draft, right? Yeah. When did, when did you know that you were going to get picked? And um, have you stopped to think about how crazy Dallas and Houston are for passing on you? Because it seems like one of the biggest mistakes ever so far.
2: It was actually pretty funny because, yeah, Houston Sabercats. I was playing with Houston Sabercats for the Rugby Town and uh, they literally just flew out our team. Everybody just met, I want to say, a few days before. Um, and, yeah, once they found out that I was in a draft, you know, they were, they were all supportive. They were asking me, like, what's your plans with how you going to watch the draft? And I told them, I was like, I was just going to watch it over my phone and lay in bed. Um, but they, they made it a pretty big deal. So they were just like, nah, man, we're going we're to set up in the lobby and you're know, going to put it on the big screen. We're all going to be there to support you, you know, whether you go to Houston, you know, whatever you land at, man, like, they're real support, so that was really good to have because I was away from home, um, away from my family. As I mentioned before, I was a bit homesick, but, you know, they made it all the more better.
0: Cannot believe you were playing for Houston and they didn't draft you. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, I mean, it is
2: what it is. I didn't want to, like, you know, dwell on it. You know, uh, Taylor Howden actually took care of me when I was out there with the Houston Sabercats. Um, so he just hats it off to me, man. He took care of me out there.
0: Tails is a good man. It's a good man. So where, did you get a call from Seattle like before the pick or did you have a good feeling leading up to the draft that you were going to land uh, in Seattle?
2: Uh, I don't know. I didn't, really have, I didn't really have an expectation of where I was going to land or, you know, everybody's asking me like, where do you think you're going to go? And I was just pretty open-minded going into the draft really. Um, my biggest goal was to just wherever team, whoever picks me up, just try to, you know, give it your best foot forward every time you step into the field. And um, you know, just develop from there. And that was that's, that was all I, how I looked at it. I didn't look at you know who, what specific team I wanted to go to, or where I was look, interested in. It was more so just where
1: it picks me up. Let's just go to work. Now, when when you look at your you know your season, we're a few games in. Um, what's been your favorite memory so far of the twenty twenty two season?
2: Um, I would say my favorite memory is probably training, just training in general, man. I think the guys, my captain, Rico Harding, um, you know, he lays the foundation, and, you know, he always, he's, re- he's pretty big on, you know, you know, just keeping the vibes right. And not, not, everybody's stressing, you know, trying to get down on each other, but it's a good environment and it's what I was used to in St. Mary's. So, I mean, it was a pretty easy transition for me. So I would say my favorite memory really is just training, training with the guys and, you
1: know being able to just make memories. And then and then looking forward as as we get into the meat of the season and Seattle pushing for a playoff spot what's the one thing that you personally want to work on? Like here you are you've you've played a few professional games, you've played a few international games. What's the one thing that you're like, okay, this is what I need to do to be like really a world-class player?
2: Um I would say honestly just having as much tools in the toolbox as much as possible. So, you know, the kicking game got to be on point, passing, um, you know, helping out my 10 as much as possible, making it easier for him, so he doesn't stress off. So maybe uh, if I were to choose one, just being more vocal, vocal in the vocal in the 10 and 12, you know, making sure, you know, taking off the stress load for my 10 and being able to communicate that with my forwards and outside backs.
0: Well, Tavita, normally I wouldn't want to – Put too much pressure on a young rugby player, but you have shown already that pressure is something that you just, you don't even, you, you not only welcome it, you thrive in it. So I, I'm happy to say that you are the next big star for rugby in America, and we need more David A. Pettis to come through. <laughs> I appreciate you joining the show. Uh, mate, I've absolutely, honestly, it's been an absolute thrill to watch you play for Seattle. Uh, it's an absolute steal that they got you at three, which sounds crazy, but keep doing you, man. Keep being you. Keep putting in the hard work and it's exciting the next 10 years to see the name Lepede not only in Major League Rugby but also for USA we appreciate you coming on the show mate
2: I appreciate you guys for having me thank you
0: there you go Pete uh, and again we heaped a lot of praise on this young kid but uh, honestly I'm just so excited about the future of like more of like young Lepede's coming through USA Rugby right now like he he's an absolute enigma
1: Oh, I'm saying, first of all, on the field, um, this is a kid that, you know, it was interesting how he talked about he, how he didn't have nerves against the All Blacks, because that's how he looks like he plays. He yeah. Looks like he plays without any fear, just goes out and play like 100% all the time and um you know this is this guy could be a real real star and he is exactly what major league rugby was built for right so like if this if 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 davetti was around 10 years ago he would have left saint mary's and he'd have gone into club rugby and he would be having but you know he would have a job and he would play and you could hear how committed he is he may not even have kept with the sport he's he's exactly what major league rugby is for and then could could he make the
0: 2031 world cup i mean he'd be in his early 30s now so he'll be 32 uh, yeah of a stretch. absolutely yeah. no he he would be like so a senior veteran player and and, and now there's the ability with mlr to player, actually yeah. say i can play for 10 years because i'm going to get paid and the, and the pay is going to continue to go up and up yep. and up and you can make a livelihood eventually in the world cup on home soil is realistic for those kids who are 22, 23, 24 even, to say, yeah, I, right. I can pencil that in.
1: And, and, and so we look at these players like the, um, like, like the Mooneyhams, right, and, mm-hmm. and the Lepedys, and we say, now we can really see a pathway where this person can be competitive on the world stage, right? Now they're in an environment where they can actually – You know i mean obviously major league rugby is is going early but i think some of these young guys may get a chance to play overseas at a higher level then come back right i think that there's opportunities here and it's exciting to see talents be harnessed by mlr
0: yeah and what jumped out for me pete is wants to add more strings to his bow like he's not so like ridiculous athlete could just cruise by on natural ability He's like, no, like I'm going to add more and more. He's got a great support system around him. Sounds like he's obviously super close to his dad who keeps him pretty humble and level-headed and and he's leaning on all that experience around him in Seattle to get better and better. And he can kick. He said, oh, I need to work on my kicking game. Dude, he can kick. Like he can kick already and lefty as well. So that's always an advantage. I hope we keep him. I, I don't like our chances of keeping him much more than a year or two, unfortunately. But great for him. Unfortunate for us
1: yeah oh, I, I but i but i think we're now at the point dan that if he that that if he does go overseas we can look forward to having him back right so we're seeing paula that CK. already we're seeing yeah paula yeah. ck just came back like we're seeing some guys that are overseas that are coming back and so i think that you know we you always want the player to do what's best for them both for them their family and their career and i think for this generation right now going overseas, playing for a few years and coming back as better players is, is, is a pretty good trade-off, but you know, also staying at home, right. And, and getting your home cooking and, and, you know, going off and playing the grind, right. Which is a 10 month season overseas, not good for your, for your longevity. You know, it's, 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 it's an interesting choice, but I think this guy has, has a chance to be an absolute stud. So I think, I think financially overseas teams are going to make it worthwhile for him to make that move.
0: Yeah. Speaking of home cooking, can you smell what the professor's cooking? Because I can, because it's time for the professor's breakdown. What do you got tonight for us, Pete? Well, you know, what I've got is one
1: of these questions, which is like, which comes up in every game and and you'll hear it from the commentators in the games and it's really hard. But the the question is to kick or not to kick? Uh, And that's when you have a penalty. Right? That is the question. So Mm -hmm. when, when you get a penalty, um, so deliberate infringement and the referee gives you a penalty, the team has, has lots of choices, right? So they can kick to touch. Um, they can tap it and run. They can actually choose a scrum, not very often, um, but they could choose a scrum, but they can also kick for points, right. And get three points for a penalty kick. And so the question is in the opposition half, is it good to kick or is it, or, or should you kick to the corner and set up a line out? And I think there's, um, this is probably one of the areas where rugby needs to do a lot more work with data to work out what the best choices are. Because data would tell you a lot. It's a little bit like Dan, like going on fourth down, right? So in the mm-hmm. NFL, you see more and more people going on fourth down because data tells them that's actually the better option to win. And I think the the the, the choice to kick for touch or, or, or kick for go on a penalty is, is is one of those options. There's no right or wrong answer, but there are some decision-making criteria. So the first question you would have, and you see this often, the captain they'll turn to their kicker Dan, and what do
0: they say? Is this in your range? Can you?
1: Make is this the- in your range, right? Can you, make, can you make the kick? And as and the kicker, what do you say, Dan?
0: Yes. Because you're a kicker.
1: Yes. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Like, yep. I so the first first question is, can your kicker um, make the kick? There's factors in that. There's rain. There's whether it's on the right-hand side for a right-footed kicker, which is often more difficult, versus on the left-hand side. So, you, you know, the first question is, can you kick? And then it comes into this area. There's some other pieces. So how well is your line-out go? right? Are you winning your lineouts? Generally, do you think you have an edge in the forwards, right? Particularly in the mall. So if your lineouts not going great, then that's going to lead you to say, you know what, I'm going to take the three points, right? And I'm going to kick. I'm going to kick for points. If your lineouts going really well and you've got the edge, then you'll probably lean to, you know what, even though my kick can get the three points, I think we've got a good shot of getting five and maybe seven. So we're going to kick to touch. One of the most interesting pieces about this for me in MLR is actually not that choice, but what happens afterwards. So if you kick for points, you get the three points, but what you do is that you have to receive the kick. And one of the areas that MLR teams are actually not very good at is what's called exiting their half. So when they receive a kick, are they able to get the ball out of their half and into the opposition half? And in many cases, a kickoff is a huge game changer. So if you're not very good at receiving kickoffs, you don't want to kick for the three points, you want to go for the seven points. Because even if you don't get the, the uh, seven points or the try, when you go to the lineout, the ball is still up in their end, the ball's not in your end. So lots of factors to think about. So when, when you're there, if you want to sound knowledgeable with your friends, right? You can say, hmm, should they go for the three or are they going to kick to touch? And maybe one other, one other thing, Dan, to think about is in about the last 10 or ten minutes or 15 minutes or so is how different that three points can be, right? So if you're five or six points up and you get that three points and it takes you nine or 10 points up, then that is two scores that the opposition has has to make. Even if your line out is going well, even if you're not very good at receiving kickoffs, you're going to take that because it means the opposition has to score twice. So lots of factors in that. Um, that decision tree for kicking for points or going for touch. And it's not clear to me that some of these teams really have that set up appropriately.
0: No. And, it, and you talk about data, it almost becomes like, cause we've seen teams statistically dominant lose games. Like they've had territory, they've had possession yeah. uh, and lose. So like MLR is still a little bit of anomaly cause we're still, I think accumulating data to, as the league adds more and more games, but like it almost is a thing like, to me, you'd take the points because it's been shown. You can keep the ball down the other end of the field. doesn't mean you're going to win the game because teams with great territory and possession have lost games uh, at a pretty high rate in Major League Rugby. So take the three. But then we've also seen teams that take the three religiously lose. They get run down the last 10 minutes and lose. Right.
1: Houston's uh, a great example, right? Where yeah. Houston would always I don't want to throw my three. boy Sammy
0: Windsor under the bus, but like, there was that reputation of like, hey, you will always take the three and – um, they, yeah, they lost a lot of games in Houston. So, um, I think unfortunately for them, they were damned if you do, damned if you don't, they were going to take the three or they were going to kick it and lose a line out. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry.
1: I think that's true. I, th- I think that's true. And also there are things like, is it going to be a tight game? If you think it's going to be a tight game, you're going to take the three points. Yeah. If you're playing we're, the we're highest uh, scoring yeah. team in the league. Yeah. Whether there's lots of factors, but it's a really interesting piece.
0: So, all right, I like it. it's good stuff. Uh, thanks for thanks for pulling one close to my heart with the kicking too. Like you've done scrums and lineouts, I'm just like I don't know what he's on about, but kicking I can relate to. I can get I can get behind a one hundred one on kicking. All right, let's jump into the action for this weekend, mate. Kicks off. Uh, I'm going to say is that twenty six Saturday? Saturday Saturday. No Friday night again. Come on, come on, George. We've got Old Glory taking on New Orleans. Uh, At D.C., I thought they were okay against Atlanta. They showed a a, a little bit of grit, a little bit of fight. Uh, Atlanta, obviously one of the top teams in the league, put them away. But Nola looked flat on the weekend. They did not look great. Um, What are you thinking in this one?
1: You know, I think the question that we all have is, um, are Old Glory going to win a game this season? right? That's, that's the big, the big question, right? They're they're a team that has played good in spot, like you said, showed up against, um, Atlanta, but just haven't been able to put it for 80 minutes. This might be the game that they can pull it off. This might be the game. If New Orleans don't come out, they're talented, like Nola's talented, but they haven't really played their best this year. This is going to be a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Nola, but it's going to be close. And I wouldn't be surprised if old glory pulled this up.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just on paper, I have to go for New Orleans. Uh, looking at that roster, he's like, well, they feel like they'll click, but it's in it's in DC. Um, yeah, it's in DC, right? Old, old Glory, they're they're due for a win, so I could see this going either way. But I'll stick with you. It'll be Noah. Uh, moving on, kicking off at the exact same time. This is this is a big one. We'll we'll jump into this a little later. It's New England at uh, Atlanta. So. Uh, Hold on to your hats for that one on the Rugby Network. That'll be fantastic viewing. Uh, Later that night at 6 p.m. LA on the road against Seattle. We talked to young Lepede tonight. There he is on your screen. They'll be taking on a resurgent Los Angeles who could be out uh, without Angus Cottrell though, who may have picked up a knee injury in their win on the weekend uh, against San Diego. Who do you like here, Pete?
1: man, this is going to be a, a, a good game. And I think it's a really important game for Seattle. Like they're at home. They started well. They've been a bit inconsistent. If they can't play Angus Cottrell, that is a huge loss for LA. I think this is going to be a close game. I always feel like this is a um, a, a toss up, but I think I'm going to go with Seattle. I think there's that home crowd. I think you know, they, they're showing bursts of playing really well. They've just had some errors that have taken the games away. And so I think Seattle win this game, but um, it's definitely going to be a fun one to watch.
0: Yeah, 3 o'clock kickoff local as well. So afternoon game. in uh, so JP Smith, their little baby face JP. He hasn't aged since he's been here. Man, what what any tips, JP? Send me hit me up on Instagram. Some of hey, you look so young, looking good. Uh, I'll, I'll go again, shall I go LA on this one. I think they they're building something on the road. Um, again, roster will be super interesting to see who who comes out of that San Diego game. That was a tough game. Uh, all right mate, night game FS1, Houston at Utah. Mate, Harriman can turn on some good weather this time of year too. That, that's gorgeous down there in Utah. Who do you like here?
1: you know, this is a tough one. Like I was early on, I was on board the uh, Houston bandwagon, but I'm not sure about their nine. Like, I think Smith's a good player, but I don't think he plays fast enough. And I think Utah are going to take advantage of that. I think I'm going to go with Utah a little bit of home cooking. Little bit of altitude. I think it's to be a close game, but I think I think Utah are going to pull this one off.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with you. I feel like Lance Williams is just staring into my soul there in that photo. Like I'm, I'm intimidated. <laughs> so I can't go against my boy Lance. He's a good, he's a great guy too, man. God, there's some good dudes in this league. Really is. Uh, Utah at home. Yeah, 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 I agree. We'll see. I think Houston could go on a tear though. I really feel like they could some damage if they get rolling so i wouldn't have to
1: play faster yeah
0: like they, they,
1: they play they're too deliberate like if you're going to use your forwards the way they do they have to play with a little bit of speed i think they're a little bit too deliberate um doesn't quite work in MLI. you need to have a little bit more openness a little bit speed there you can exploit the defenses particularly out wide i think houston can speed it up a little bit they've definitely got the horses to do the damage
0: yeah i think houston's uh, they're one of those teams they're such a and again we're getting way off track here but they had such a high turnover and they're so new and no real preseason that I feel like they're one of these teams that have got enough professionals that they know what it takes to play and, and win in professional rugby and what the grind of a season looks like, that this is almost like, hey, we're coming out of preseason mode now. Let's get after it. And I just, right. I don't know. a guy like Heineke Meyer in that setup who's coached at the absolute pinnacle of the game knows a thing or two about, you know, all those coaches who've been to a World Cup, like yourself in, included, you know how to. It's like horse racing. You, you don't want your horse winning three races before the big one. You you got to get yeah, them in, in shape that's and true, get them yeah. there. And I just I just haven't heard panic or stress out of Houston. So I get the feeling they might be a little bit of a little bit of mastery from the old uh, wizard Heineke Meyer here, and getting them prepped and they go on a tear. So I might flip flop. I might go for Houston here. That one's for you, JT. I'm going for Houston. All right, moving on. Standalone game on Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Toronto at New York. Big East Coast game. Uh, Toronto uh, had a great uh, away win there against Utah last week. New York getting one over New Orleans. This one at 3 p.m. on the Rugby Network. Who do you like here, Pete?
1: Now, this is a really good game. It's really interesting. Like, New York, who came out really strong earlier in the season, Toronto didn't, and now their trajectories are kind of going in opposite directions. I still go with New York on this. I think they're a very good team. Um, I think that Toronto are good too. But t- all Toronto want to do is be – they want to be in um, touching distance before they get their home run, which is like the last, what, seven weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, their deal is always they just want to be 500 once they get to their home, and then they think they'll be pretty good for the playoffs. But I think New York are going to pull this one off.
0: I thought Ginty had done Cole Bailey wrong there by colouring in his front tooth, but then I remembered he's got the uh, he's got the falsy, so he's pulled it out for the photo. Cole Bailey, the most Canadian man on the face of the earth. I love it. Uh, shout out to the butcher and Sammy Windsor. Hit fifty games for MLR last weekend. I know um, Sammy's been you know dealing with some injuries, wasn't meant to play, and at last minute had to jump on the bench to get his fiftieth. But uh, that's that's a great achievement for those guys. So what is it now? Four, four. If hit fifty stats, boy. Yep, and then we got yeah. an, someone. someone's running it down this weekend too. Who's our fifth? Um, two weeks. Paul Mullen? We're two weeks away. Two weeks away, okay. Yeah. Great stuff. Got to love it. Got to love the achievements, 50 games. That's unreal. Who will be our first 100-gamer? Here's a question for you. Probably some young pup. Who's a young pup? Not me, not I Pete.
1: Mean, I mean, durable players – the most durable players in the league. JP
0: Smith could probably do it. Has he been here since year he one? No, he no, he came year two, didn't he? Year
1: two, but he was banged up. Um, and, yeah. then year, and then, but uh, you know, I think the highest cap player for the SeaWolves is Matt Turner right now. He no, Metcha. He might make it. Yeah, other Metcalf's other no, not going to,
0: yeah, hey, he, to get to hundred. Yeah, Metcalf isn't making it either. unretired
1: You need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need. You need. You need someone. Like like someone who started playing, you know, maybe Cruze.
0: Yeah, we we'll have to check what makes someone who I think Meeks, Meeks could do it because he's young and he's been there since day one. Yeah. With All right, let's yeah. talk game of the week. Game of the week, East Coast Showdown. It's New England, the Free Jacks taking on the Rattlers, Atlanta Rugby ATL. This one, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the rugby network what a treat that one's going to be free to air for everyone to watch pete this is the battle for the east you would have to say no disrespect to new york toronto or any of the other east coast teams but this this has a feeling of uh, maybe an eastern conference preview
1: well it's interesting both of these teams high scoring teams right so the free jacks have 23 tries in their six games and Rugby ATL is twenty-four, but they both have great defenses. What's interesting, Dan, is the Free Jacks had a slightly better tackle percentage, which surprised me. This is a great defensive Free Jacks team. Of course, ATL way more dominant tackles because that's how they play. Another place where ATL have an edge is in the lineout. They are the best lineout team in the league. Um, with almost 90%. And the Free Jacks are struggling there. They only have 78% lineouts. So interesting game. The Free Jacks have a um, giveaway uh, in almost exactly the same penalties as ATL. So no advantage there. But that lineout, still an important part
0: of Major League Rugby. That, I think, gives ATL the edge. So you're going ATL. I'll go against you. I'll I'll go go New England. And for, for Free Jacks fans, notice there's been a couple of trades lately freeing up some space because there is a name coming back to New England. Um, won't reveal who it is because you want it to be something the team does, but uh, a lot of New England fans will be very happy here in the coming weeks when they hear uh, who New England have secured for the rest of this season. So that'll be your one to watch. I don't think they're able to play this weekend, but it's getting close. This is
1: what Dan does all the time. Dan is like, like he's, he like makes me make a pick. And then he says, oh, by the way, here's some team news that only I know. And then let me make my pick.
0: You like that? That's how you get it. Yeah, Free game I do like that. Exactly- now this would be a great <laughs> game. These, these, these. It's going to be I'm a great because game. Because these two teams have flip-flopped from last year. Atlanta were an amazing defensive unit. And this year, they've... Attacks improved significantly. Free Jack's the opposite way. They could attack last year. Defense needed some work. They had a couple of mismatches, especially in that midfield. Now they're defensively extremely strong. Like like you said, superior yeah. to rugby ATL. So um, yeah. man, I'm excited for this one. I, think, I will be, yeah, I'll be in Florida. I might watch this on the beach. I might pull up on the beach, Pete, oh, and watch this game. Listen to you. Get a little I'll watch on the slopes. Yeah, back oh, up
1: yeah. on back up, back up on the mountain this weekend, although I think the uh, um, you know I, I don't know if you saw but the uh, US women that were playing in the UK got to play Wales. It was a USA Falcons team. They won that um, won that game, and then the domestic women are playing a game in Golden this weekend on Saturday. Oh, that's cool. At a noon kickoff. So that, yeah. So that, so so I might have to catch this um, on, uh, um, on on my phone while that while that game game is going on. But what I will say, and, and you know, I'll make this a
0: professor promise. Both yeah. of these teams will be in the playoffs this year. There it is, lock it, folks. The professor Promise. Lock it down. Yeah, lock it, it down. <laughs> it's it's more predictable than Nancy Pelosi's stock profile portfolio. <laughs> 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 oh, Nancy, she's a big MLR fan. Nancy, old Glory fan. She loves she loves her some old Glory DC. She gets out to the games all the time. So, hey to uh, Nancy and all the other folks on the Hill who love MLR kickoff. Just kidding. Don't audit my taxes, which just came back, and uh, I paid. I paid my taxes, Pete. I did, definitely. Wink. You know, all right, brother. Be good. Be safe down there in Orlando. Good luck traveling Thanks back family. to the family this weekend. Enjoy the games. Uh, I'm sure the text chain will get hot during that New England-Atlanta game because we differ on that one. So uh, always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. Good to see you back. Even though Aaron, he had the knives. He was Brutus. You were Caesar, and he was jamming them in the whole show. I said, no, no, don't. After That's my good.
1: after my client did it, Dan, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to fall asleep listening to MLR kickoff so I can find out what Stats Boy did in my absence. I'm just, I, I guess I should just be thankful that I still have a role here after what I'm sure was a star appearance by Statboy.
0: Well, I i would like to think you'd be shocked to find out that I may not be exactly telling the whole truth, but I had the feeling that. You're probably pretty comfortable with the fact that Stats Boy was uh, defending you and someone else may have been jumping on. But you go enjoy the show. Enjoy your dinner. It's been a pleasure, mate. Uh, for uh, the Professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, our entire crew, this has been the MLR Kickoff. We'll catch you next time.